M1 is the finance super app that puts you in control of your wealth. Invest, borrow, save, and spend your money how you want with sophisticated automation tools to help you reach your financial goals more easily. 2021 is about rebuilding, building health, building wealth, and everything in between. I've been using M1 for years to manage my long-term investment portfolio. M1 lets me follow some of the top performing hedge funds like Code 2 and balance my pie based on what the pros are doing. It's truly my favorite investing app in the world. Go to m1finance.com slash Katoon to get started today and earn $30 to invest after you fund your account. Terms and conditions apply. M1, yours to build. Welcome to Technory Podcast. I'm Scott Katoon. On today's show, we catch up with the Vice Chairman and VP at CBRE Chicago, Brad Surratt and Tony C. I think you probably all know him. If you're listening to this show and you're in Chicago or you're a tech founder, the chances of you not knowing these two guys is pretty unlikely. They represent just about every person that I've ever had on the show. So it was fun to have them on the show because I've known these guys forever, but we've never, for whatever reason, actually done this show uh, I think this is a must listen, to be honest. If you are like me running a business and considering going back to the world and looking at taking space, you're wondering, when is the right time? When are we past the the fear part? Truth is, I think it's now. Uh, according to Brad, Labor Day is the day that most people are targeting between Labor Day and even Q1 of 22. But if you're getting into it right now, landlords are giving up concessions that they never had. Uh, Tony made a nice little quip in the, in the show about yes, 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 yes. They're all saying yes to all these different things because you, know, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. And I think the closer you get to summertime and even closer to the fall, I think the options may be drying up. I, I am already looking out the window of my at-home studio and seeing a lot more people coming back and forth from the train heading downtown. So I, I think if you're a, a startup founder or a business owner and you're looking to take space again, this is a show you should listen to. Tons of great gems in it. And also, I think that as a business person, whether you're a real estate broker, you're in sales, business development, um, or just a CEO, or just somebody who is uh, in the business of doing business with other people, there's a lot to be learned. And I think 2020 was a good year for it to learn about yourself, to learn the value that you bring to others as a person, not as a business person, as a person. And I, there's a lot of things you can get into, whether that's uh, doing drives with, you know, bicycle drives, raising money for charity, which Brad does uh, for his daughter, uh, whether it's DJing, which I did not know Tony C. T. Cogs does. That is a new one for me. Uh, or something as cool as investing in Long Jump Capital, which is a founder fund that was started in Chicago by a handful of people who have all been on the show, uh, whether that's Gary Cooper from Reapley, uh, Brian from DraftBit, or a couple of the people who started it. And that gives you the ability to actually invest in the people you're doing business with. They know you're in it for the long haul. You know they're in it for the long haul. There's a lot of things that I think 2020 did for good. And I think one of the biggest ones I've talked about probably too much uh, and Brad sort of caught me on on this one too, which is that I'm somewhat of an introvert. So for me, work from home is a godsend. I love it. But for the majority of people, it's not. And we've been weighing this question of, is work from home here to stay? I said it was, then I said it wasn't, then I said it might be, then I said it won't. I don't know. We still don't know. Brad had a theory on it, and I think it's a good one. If you've done repetitive work with someone for years before, you can still do that work from work from home. But when you start getting into the deep thinking and actually having group thought and putting your brains together to do stuff, that one times one equals three type of model, it doesn't work very well. 
And it doesn't even work well with some people I've worked with for years. So I think we could actually look at seeing the world in business where we all kind of go back to the office, but maybe it's a three-day work week downtown and too remote. Or maybe it's full-time during certain seasons of the year in Chicago and then people just kind of take off for the winter and they work remote in the winter because we know we can do it. Either way, the combination of the experiences that we've all shared in 2020, whether we've been locked up with our family or we've been traveling around, if you moved to South Carolina, Texas, Miami, wherever it is you went and hung out, that coupled with the changes in the real estate structure and the opportunities for all the spaces and purposing of spaces that we have and the conjunction of knowing that we can actually work from home, but we don't have to, or knowing that we could work in the office, but we don't have to. Those options in a, in a vacuum as a three-pack I think present a really interesting opportunity, not only for CBRE and for you, the founder or business owner, but also for the city of Chicago. There are not many cities that are better than this. And while I love the idea of Miami and I love the idea of California, I'm not a New York guy, so that's probably not going to happen for me. Um, I don't want to look out the window at a beautiful place. I, I actually kind of like that Chicago is seasonal and that you can build some cool experiences inside of the office and go out and then travel in the winter. There's so many options. We talk about all of them. Absolutely a great podcast. This is my conversation with Brad Surratt and Tony C from CBRE. First off, it's awesome to see you, Brad, Tony, uh, in the flesh. It's been a kind of a crazy year, but uh, the last week or two, oh my God, it's like life again. I'm starting to see things that are not just pitch reviews that are coming from me or random virtual work from home VC rounds that Chicago Window talks about. I'm seeing people getting active. I'm seeing people, you know, walking by my window in my at-home studio, going to the train. I walked the dog today and the train lot was half full. Usually it's like five cars. And obviously there's post office news. There's word of Google. Um, I've got buddies who actually are investors in Foxtrot. So I've heard all kinds of things about them moving down, which is also cool, not just because they're moving potentially to Fulton Market, but the product itself is a, is a company that suggests life is coming back. Um, and, and even one more than that, um, as far as the types of businesses and what businesses are, are coming up right now as we speak uh, that are not relative to tech, I interviewed the founder of a, a company based in New York called Citizens Coffee. And he's from Australia. And he was like, you know, aside from COVID, you know, I was walking around downtown New York right before COVID and then obviously during it. And I felt like the Starbucks on every corner, people just getting their coffee and like running away is something that I think we're, we're like kind of done with. And he's like, I think we want this like cafe style, like, like Cafe Du Monde in New Orleans, where people actually go and they kind of hang out and they get their coffee and they chill and they talk. And I actually said to him on the show before COVID, I would have said, maybe you're nuts. After COVID, I think people are absolutely fevering to get in a room with people and just be like, human being, how are you? So I'd, I'd love to kind of hear from you guys. What, what's the good word? What's going on? I mean, you nailed it. I mean, on the head, I mean, so I would say in 2020, there was nothing going on. And then since January of 2021, we started seeing companies really take a hard look at their real estate. We already have a few uh, early stage companies in Chicago who've taken a stance and they said, guys, employees, we're, we're going back to the office. There's a, there's a fast growth security tech firm called Driftnet who are doing big things in Chicago. And they, we signed a lease. They were the first lease done in Chicago. We moved them into 70 West Madison in terms that I've never seen in my 20 years of doing commercial real estate, unprecedented concessions and it, a phenomenal outcome for them. But they were like, we're coming back to the office. That was a really kind of eye-opening moment for me and Tony. 
And I think that since then, the momentum is starting to build. And, and I think that as we've started to see a pathway towards vaccination and herd immunity, all that good stuff, that those, those terms that we're all hearing, yeah. I really think that companies are starting to really plan their reentry and start making some moves. I want to add one thing because you, like I talked to you, we texted back and forth early on in, in COVID world. And then obviously throughout this whole time. And, you know, we had talked about like, what is, what is the future of work going to look like? Like, is it going to be all hybrid? Is it going to be people all from home? And I think you guys were one of the first ones I talked to were like, it's not going to be work from home. Like, it's just not like people will work from home, but it's not going to be all that way. And I kind of waffled. I was like, you know, at one point I felt like it was possible that we'd be work from home. And then after that, I was kind of like, well, wait, maybe there's a hybrid and who wants to, who wants to miss a Chicago summer? So I, I feel like the timing is just impeccable. What do you guys think about the work from home evolution here? Yeah, look, you know, Scott, we have an array of clients from seasoned mature companies like Snapchat, Uber, Relativity, who've just raised a ton of dough, to exciting startups like Reply, Kid Insurance, Philo, Songfinch, Driftnet, like Brad mentioned. And the interesting trend that we're seeing is that out of all the tenants that are in the market today, over half of the founders are under the age of 35 with a really young employee base. And really, what does that tell us? It tells us a couple things. Like you said, people want to be out. Uh, they want to be out of their 600 square foot apartment. They don't want to be working from home anymore as much as they typically were in COVID because really in COVID, you had no options. You had to be inside your house. You had to work from home. And by the way, you were scared for your job. So you were working yeah. the clock to make sure that you wouldn't lose your livelihood. Um, and then two, you know, similar to the, some of the young investors that we're seeing in like the GameStop movement, young founders are just more risk tolerant. And companies like Kodal, who just moved to the old post office, saw an opportunity in the depressed real estate market and took advantage of it. You know, I, I, hey, Scott, I'm going to make a comment. I think that Tony is actually in the witness protection program right now. Is he? <laughs> I, you know what? I'm rolling with this. I actually love it because I'm going to put a, I have a sticker of Tony's face that I have on Snapchat. I'm going to put it on his face for the clips. Oh. And it's going to, it, this, this show is going to go viral just for that. So let's keep it rolling. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah we're going to start name, yeah, put us both dark. We're going to just start name dropping clients and prospects. Change our voice. That actually, oh. you know, that's, that's how these shows are the best. This is why I actually like doing zoom better than doing the GN stuff sometimes. Cause you have like, we've had shows where kids like show up in the room. I've had a, di- a, a dude who was literally holding a baby and the baby vomited <laughs> during the show. Okay. So this is what I'm talking about. I have, Four kids, Scott, and I'm so sick and tired of hiding in my bedroom, fighting for bandwidth, trying to talk to my clients and prospect. It just doesn't work. It's not a good formula. The other thing I was gonna I was gonna say to, to piggyback off of what what you asked is that we interviewed 10,000 employees over the last year, and 75% feel more isolated, disconnected, not only with their employees and their colleagues, but with the mission of the company. And I think that is actually a really important stat, which you have employers being like, how do I get my employees back together and excited to reinvigorate them? So I think that those are some things that we're talking to our clients. I kind of agreed with you because like in my, I think when I made assumptions early on in this, I, the introvert in me like took the best of it. I was like, man, I love it. Like I definitely had a couple of weeks strain where we had a COVID scare at my kid's daycare. And so I was daddy daycare while I'm doing shows. And it was a bit of a challenge. Uh, I'd be really quiet while I'm doing my episode because she's sleeping next door. And it would just be like a little chaotic. But in my head, I'm like, hey, I don't have to like meet and greet. I can just be home. I've done enough meet and greets in my life that I could pull my hair out. And so I think I was thinking everyone will be like me. They'll love it. 
And here it turns out like they don't love it. In, in my other company, Songfinch, John has been from the get-go, the CEO has been, we are going back. We're going to find space. We're going to do it. The team's going to come back. If you're remote and you're cool with it, fine. But like, I, I want him back. And I, I kind of pushed back on him in the beginning because I was like, it's an expense one, but two, like I'm a remote guy. Like I'm happy with remote. But I, I do think that now when I try to create things that like, like if we're doing tasks that we've done before a hundred times for three years, I don't need to be in front of you. Every time something new happens, I am fucking lost. But yeah. you're also, you're at a stage in your career, as am I, as is Tony, where, you know what, you don't actually need to come back to the office, right? No. However, all that mindshare, all that connectivity, all that goodness that you had, all the experiences with starting companies and yep. with, with, all that stuff's lost with all the young professionals that are working for you or with you. And so there's a little bit of that. And so... I, I, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a victim of it. I didn't even realize I'm, act, I'm actually working in CB's office today. Tony's just, you know, a couple doors down. And I'll tell you, every time I come in, I feel like it's like the first day of school again. I mean, I'm yeah. I excited to get out of, you know, get out from fighting, you know, with my kids with bandwidth, but just seeing my colleagues. Right. And like, everyone's, you know, excited to like, let's, let's go, let's have some happy hour after work. Like, let's get together. How's life? What's going on? So all yeah. that stuff is just, it's, it's good to get back. And the other interesting note, you know, we're working with Gary Cooper at Reapley, really good friend, just raised $8 million, growing like an absolute weed. He said, Tony, Brad, I haven't met half of the employees that yeah. I've heard over the past 12 months and looked them in the eye. We've interacted on Zoom for so long and I'm trying to build something real. And we just, you know, we want somewhere we can call home. Well, speaking of Gary and Reapley, he also started something else that you guys are participating in, uh, Long Jump VC. Tell me a little bit about that and your interest in that and, and sort of what that says to you, not just about the community and what we're trying to build in Chicago, which, you know, I think when you get into long jump a little bit, people understand what we're talking about if you're not from Chicago, uh, but also what it means for kind of venture led by the founders and sort of founders growing founders as opposed to waiting around for the big check. So um, in 2009 is really when I started focusing solely on, on tech. It's a good and bet, by the way. Good, good bet. Good bet. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of my friends left their day job to go start and work for tech firms. Right. And so I fell into it a little bit of what, you know, opportunity, you know, it just sort of, it sort of crossed paths. It just sort of met experience and opportunity. But, you know, at that stage is when I first started investing in angel investing in tech. And I started meeting different um, VC firms that I started also kind of getting involved with. And when Gary approached us and obviously all the goodness that Gary has going on, and sort of the way that he views entrepreneurs and investing and supporting the community is so in line with really where Tony and I like to focus our time, effort, and energy. And that's what we're about. How can we help support the community? How can we help support entrepreneurs? So it made a ton of sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. listen, go, go ahead, Tony. The, the only other thing I'd add, is, you know, um, we like to differentiate ourselves. A lot of people say that any broker could do the same job. And being able to invest in the forefront of, of some of the biggest ideas in Chicago is just really, really important to us. So when we go to these rooms and try and pitch companies like Reapley and Philo, you know, we say, you know, we wrote their first checks and we grew with them along the way. And we didn't lock them into long-term leases that cost them a ton of money. We actually made sure they found short-term subleases or other flexible solutions that were super cost-efficient. I, uh, I love it for a multitude of reasons. I, I'm, I've been, obviously, you guys know, Technorian and, and uh, just myself, 
have been trying to push for founder-driven innovation and founder-controlled investing and founder-friendly terms. And obviously, we've always worked to champion, you know, the female minority and first-time founders to give them a platform to be able to really like take a shot, like go for it. And, you know, I think there's a, every entrepreneur takes risks and there's certain things that you have to live with. But one of the biggest ones to me that I think always scared off first-time founders, particularly minority and female founders, because it's a different set of pressures, is asking someone close to home for a big check relative to that person. It doesn't matter if it's 10,000, 2,000, or 200,000. Um, yeah. The fear of, of letting them down. For that, right? it's, it's a tough, yeah. tough ask. And, and obviously, you know, a lot, most of the time they're like, oh my gosh, I would love to support you, but it's still that there's like, there's friction there. And it never goes away if it doesn't work out. And I feel like you want entrepreneurs to, to have to like crawl through mud and, and get dirty to, to grow because I think it's a learning part of the whole thing. It, it builds grit. But I, I don't think that you need to have your first challenge be begging for money from someone who doesn't understand what you're building and doing it on blind trust and then you living with that. I think having founders that are supportive and understand how much of a pain in the ass that first million is and how much it costs of blood to get is a great starting point. And then to be totally honest, spinning it back to, to you guys in CBRE, I'm, you know, I, I do this out of mission. I do this because I've, I'm passionate about the community, particularly Chicago, but I'm also, uh, you know, a greedy individual as well. I, I don't do it all just for charity. Um, and so selfishly, I personally like to invest in some of these, uh, you know, capital firms and so forth. One I'm involved with is not in Chicago, Tribe Capital, which is a spinoff from Social Capital with Shamath. And it's a first look fund. And I love the idea that I can actually contribute to your first or second million dollars in revenue, or I can help hedge the cost of operating your business and be an investor. Makes me feel better about being an investor. Makes you feel better about having me on your cap table. You guys are doing that. When you have long jump, you're not just writing a check that helps long jump in the community. You are surely helping the founder, but you are also helping yourselves in a great manner because you have the ability to actually help these guys and girls save money, make money, make intros. Like you have a rooted interest in it. Yeah. And I think that's a huge selling point that you don't even have to say. Yeah, you know, Scott, I think that's a great point. And the one thing that Brad and I always say when we're in meetings is that we're connectors first and brokers second. We're always connecting them, whether it's to other VCs, whether it's to other companies that will help them like a vouch insurance, which is a matter for startup communities. You know, we're trying to make sure that we help them along the path as much as we can. Another, another thing I was going to add um, was that no one, you know, once you're aligned, if you have an, that sort of alignment, you don't care what service business that you're in, you know, not that we're always going to make sure that we, you know, we kick ass for our clients, but in a way where it's like, there's no question, like as an investor, as somebody like, you know, there's nobody I would want representing you other than us. We are the experts in the industry, we're the leaders, like we're going to get you a better deal than anybody else regardless. So yeah, there's a zero chance that they're looking for another broker. Like to me talking, you know, obviously we talk about the community and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's key to what we do and what you, both of us, but, um, and what we do with Technori, but at the end of the day, it's one of the smartest business moves that any company can do is to invest in their customers, invest in their vendors. It's just, it, you cannot beat it. Yeah. No, you have ultimate alignment and you're putting your money where your mouth is. You're supporting them. There's no reason why they won't support you. And it, obviously if you do what you say you're going to do even better, right? So. Oh, hundred percent. So let's talk about some of the deals you guys are looking at right now. Some of the bigger things that are going on in Chicago, the tech scene is huge. And, and I, I hope it to be, to get bigger. I know Miami uh, is, is clawing at a lot of people. I actually had a, a, a podcast with Suarez 
uh, yesterday that he had to postpone in the middle of it. So we'll pick that up and, and put it out later. I'll be able to tell you what, what his secret sauce right now is other than the sunshine. But beyond that, there's the Googles and there's big companies that are not just tech that you guys are involved with. So share a little bit about the, the larger ecosystem in Chicago as far as real estate. Yeah, I think that Google's announcement that they're going to invest $7 billion in real estate and then culture first and everyone's got to get back to the office sends a really big message to the ecosystem, right? Is yeah. that, you know, a year ago, everyone had a different tune, whether it be Google, Facebook, Twitter. And now, you know, the, the biggest tech firms in the world are going long on real estate because they know now that it's all about their people and they've got to hire the best and the brightest. It's all about labor. And so everything that Tony and I were focusing on, yes, we're very focused on, you know, the deal and we can talk to, you know, to, to are blue in the face about, you know, the economics that we're getting that are better than anything I've seen in my career. But we're also, we're mainly focused on the labor. Like what, what trends are occurring? Where are people going? Um, are companies expanding and thinking of expanding in Chicago? Um, and where do we sit in comparison to the Miamis and the other, other, other cities? And the answer is, I think that we're very strategically advantaged. I think that Chicago is such a strong foundation, no matter what anyone says. And I know that we have lots of friends, Scott, that are, yes, they're going to Miami. They're relocating. They're like, we're out of there. They're just, it's just the Greeks, though. Like, let's be clear. Yeah, it's, it's all, it's, you, you know, know like, I, I'm like two blocks from where Peter Rahal grew up. His house is the size of my block now. It's fine. Happy belated <laughs> birthday, Peter. Yesterday was his birthday. George Boussis and crew out there. Aristotle pretends that he's, he's not <laughs> sunshining and rainbows there. Steve Galanis, all, the, all that crew. But they'll be back here. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, listen, I think it's a great place to vacation, to build a business and grow. Yeah. It's fun. The other thing that I wanted to mention is that, you know, what we've learned in COVID is that lease expirations don't drive business decisions for large organizations. And yeah. they're thinking about return to work. They're really focused on the experience, as we mentioned. And there's some tech companies that are in dated space with lease expirations that go into 2023 or 2024 or 2025. And these new developments that are built out and there's nobody in them are being extremely aggressive and going to these tenants and writing them multi-million dollar checks to try and get them into their buildings, build it out for them, furnish it them yep. for them, cable, wire, the whole nine yards. So it's really cool. And then on the flip side with some of these smaller companies and how they're innovating and making the experience real. And I know you interviewed um, Ruben over at Cash Drop. Yeah. We really like what he's doing with his office. He's making his office a place of almost like a living, breathing piece of art where his employees are coming in and they're throwing cash on the walls and they're putting big logos all over the place. And he's got a scooter in there and he's making it someplace where they want to come in and socialize and just have a good time and also build a badass business. So I think that's some of the stuff that we're seeing right now. To that point, so we use the word experience, right? So the, like, when we go back, when we all, because we all are eventually going back, right? The experience that the employees have to have in this new post-COVID world has to be better than the experience you're having at home. It has to be. Yes. And that's sort of the mindset we're talking to our clients about. We're like, guys, I don't care if you're a startup and you're, you have 10 employees and growing, or if you're a fortune, you know, 100 publicly traded tech company, how do we get your experience for your employees to be better than it is today and in the future? So that's something that we're definitely talking about to Tony's point. Uh, a quick side note on Ruben. I don't know if he told you this, but he has a barber chair in his, in his office. I got lined up today before your show here. Nice. Um, and uh, I, I texted him because on our show, uh, we, I was texting my barber this is when I was recording with Ruben and I was like, have you ever heard of cash drop? 
And the barber was like, no, man, like, you know, what the, what the fuck is cash drop? So I sent him the text and he signed up and Ruben literally watched the, the sign up come in on the back end during the pod and talked about it. So literally I went over that I paid on cash drop uh, today to get my haircut. So not only is there like our businesses are, are communicative and they're, they're all over the place and a lot of things, but like the idea of creating an experience where you can get your barber cut right there in the office. I, I think you're going to start to see these changes. And I, one of the things I was going to ask you guys is in real estate is part, I think it's, well, it's not part of it. It's a huge part of it, but it wasn't the intention of the question. It's like, how does Chicago win? Work from home has enabled us to be able to prove that we can for a short period of time, be away. We can go to Miami during the frigid January of Chicago and be like, Hey, we don't got to be here for this. This is a brutal, brutal time in Chicago. So y'all just go wherever you want, work wherever you want. But the rest of the year, Chicago offers an incredible city and landscape and things that you can do in an office. That quite frankly, if I was in San Francisco is a unique problem on its own. New York has its problems and Miami it's beautiful and too damn hot. So like, the experience in Chicago between Cubs games and just the way the city is structured. I actually think that we have a pretty unique opportunity to utilize real estate to, to kind of Tony's point and you too, Brad, um, to build an experience in the office that makes our employees want to come in because it's going to be fun. There's things to do. I don't think we're going to have the stuffy cubicle office, at least not in tech uh, ever again because of this. Yeah. It's definitely going to more, I actually like the concept of coming into the office and then months like, you know, December through March, yeah. you know, go, go to Miami, go to California, go to Arizona. And then, you know, you come back, you can work remote. That's a, that's an interesting concept. I would love, I would love to see that be regular. I mean, I hate traveling in the winter anyway, but um, I just, I feel like Chicago's landscape is, is unique. What do you guys think we need in, in the tech ecosystem, at least in Chicago? I think we had a real good run for a while. Yeah. And then we kind of took a little back step. We don't need to go into anything why and how, but uh, I think we definitely need to put the pedal to the metal. And I think um, one of the things is shows like this, where we talk to guys like you who can like give kind of an inside scoop, but I, I look at, you know, cameo right now is full remote, whether that stays, whatever um, we've got active campaign M one finance, tasty trade bought for a billion dollars. There are so many companies in Chicago that are billion dollars plus, and no one knows it. Yeah. Tempest growing like crazy relativity. Once we have, you know, continued more exits, more goodness, more investment in these Chicago companies, the trickle down effect occurs. Um, and those entrepreneurs or other employees that work there starting, you know, start new companies and then off you go. But I think the cool, the cool part about the seat that we all collectively sit in is that we're meeting so many early stage companies and founders and we're representing them and we're growing with them or we're watching them flourish within a city like Chicago. Yep. And there's a lot more goodness going on within our own backyard than meets the eye that people kind of know about. And so it's like shows like this, Scott, what you're doing to kind of get that and sort of put a spotlight on those tech companies is, is, is huge. It's part of it's part of the growth and part of the story here. From a macro level, I mean, there's a reason that Salesforce built the tower here. There's yeah. a reason that Uber Freight made their headquarters at the old post office. Our real estate costs are lower than the coast and our town is cheaper and it's just as good. We have so many good theater schools from the Big Ten. We have, you know, the University of Chicago is right inside our city walls. I mean, a lot of access to talent and quality talent at a good price point. I totally agree. One other thing I want to touch on that I think is an interesting opportunity for companies, particularly companies like, I'll use Active Campaign as an example, just because of how they grew. Those who have watched my show, you know, Jason has been on the show like six times from 
we had 13 people to we have 300 people we hired last month. The learnings from co-working spaces, I think there's still a place for like the 1871s of the world for people to kind of get their toes wet into, as Jason Kokana says it though, wet the beak to like kind of get into it. But I actually think real estate and how we shape it, how we shake it up, changing it to make it more experiential. I actually think there's a really good opportunity for more innovation inside of companies as a result of the usage of the space. What do you guys think about how these spaces are being built and developed going forward that maybe allow a little bit of an, a per, like a purposeful silo to create an opportunity to innovate founders so that they don't leave your company. They actually, you invest in them and they build in, inside of you. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that in a very statistical way of all the, you know, the, again, we go back to the survey, this the sentiment survey that we did of 10,000 plus employees. And so look, we know that pre-COVID people were coming into the office four days a week. We were already sort of exercising and implementing this work from home concept. So one day a week on average, you were working from home anyway. We did a really good job of doing that leading up to COVID. And, and this goes to the workplace experience. Post COVID, the survey indicates that people are gonna be working from the office three days a week, right? And so the question is, is that, okay, on average, if employees are working from the office three days a week, what does that mean for the workplace of the future? Do we downsize 30% because of that? Or actually, you know, if I was to guess and say, gee, Scott, if you were coming in the office three days a week, which three days would you come in? Would it be Monday? Maybe, but probably, or would it be Friday? Probably not. So maybe no. it's going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And the question is, do you reduce your space proportionally because of that? And so without getting too granular, I think, look, there's going to be a slight reduction of office space, but not as grand as you think. And there's going to be an increased uh, collaboration space within organizations, right? So that way, if everyone's in, maybe you're working at a high top. Maybe you're working at a, you know, sort of a, a, an open kitchen area or all hand space. And it's a little bit more communal in that regard. So yes, people, you know, all of our clients from early stage to again, the publicly traded are looking at this exact thing right now. And we're talking about how do we do a little bit more, create the experience and shave their space of touch. This is happening in real time, right? I mean, pre-COVID, we had companies, you walk into the office and it's literally a sea of desks and then two offices and that was it. Um, you know, so landlords are building out spaces and trying to, you know, accommodate this different culture and this different way that they're trying to use and utilize this office. Um, they're incorporating swings into the space. They have way more offices now in a tech space than they would pre-COVID. So things like that. I think you're probably right, Brad, about the slight reduction. I kind of think it's more the smaller companies that are trying to like, they're kind of investing in growth, but like not really sure. So like maybe they won't go head, head over heels for an 8,000 square foot spot when they can do with six. Like I can see that reduction. I actually just think there's repurposing. I, I, I think you would be pissed off immediately. If you, I mean, it's like any of us, like you downsize your house and you go to like one floor and you're like, what the, like, yeah, you can't do that. You can't, once you've had this, you can't go, you just can't. Um, and so I, I just feel like most of these companies won't. You don't want to necessarily renovate your space or spend significant dollars building new space. And so one of the really cool things that we've seen in this market is because there's so much vacancy and because landlords are nervous, landlords are investing more money in the construction, more free rent to help, you know, entrepreneur, fast growth companies and our clients do this and create this new environment with zero out-of-pocket costs. I've never, not to this extent, have I seen this level of concession you know, in my entire 20 year career, it's unbelievable what's going on. And, right and, and to that point, I mean, let's just talk about Kobo for a second. Uh, you know, Mackie and Kevin Box, and these are guys that I've known since high school. Um, we were in the market, you know, in the middle of COVID looking for 7,000 square feet of subway space. 
but because the market was so aggressive and they didn't really know what they needed as far as size and scope, we were able to move into 16,000 square feet and our lease doesn't start till 2022 and they can move in right now if they want. It's called beneficial occupancy. And then they're getting a year of free rent on their space. And then they told the landlord, well, we're growing into it. We don't need all of it day one. They're going to get another year of free rent on half their space. And then by year five, we have retraction options or termination options altogether if the space isn't working for us. So that kind of flexibility is something we haven't seen ever in the market, Brad can attest to. And I think it's a sign of more things to come um, as tenants look to try. They won't be paying rent until 2023. And that won't even be fully baked rent. So this is, this is what's going on in our market. It's awesome. It is such a fun time to be a broker representing fast growth companies right now. And it's such a fun, amazing time to be a, a, a company going into the market like this. It's awesome. I mean, Matt you know, kept asking, they kept saying, well, can we get this? And can we get this? I was yes, like, yes, yes, yes. Let's, let's ask because the landlords kept saying yes. And it's really exciting. You know, it was a painful year, I'm sure for you guys to like watch this come apart. I think it was painful for um, a lot of businesses and a lot of people who rely, you know, I'm not talking about the employees, but the actual, you know, rich individuals that own them. But I think the shakeup was needed. I think we were in a, in a really weird spot where things were just kind of bull, bull, bull for a long time. And people weren't really taking account of what, what they had and what they didn't have. And, you know, it's like me, like I, when we started to trim down our expenses, I was looking through my income sheet and I'm like, what is, this? I don't even know what this is. I've been paying for this for two years. I have no idea. Like it, it was a, a kind of uh, almost a come to Jesus with everyone to be like, let's like reimagine. And I kind of think for you guys, as well as the businesses, as they rediscover how to use work from home, as opposed to be afraid of it, you guys are going to see new opportunities, new use cases all the time. I mean, just go, going not to keep plugging my barber, but just as an example, I went in today and he had this trailer. I get it. Your hair looks really good, man. We love Thank your you. hair. I was just trying to get the, my wife said nothing to me when I came home. So I was just trying to get the kudos. Yeah. Um, but uh, I went there today and he had a trailer parked out in the front and he's like, oh man, I just picked this up this morning. I'm like, what? What? He's doing barber food truck, no food, just barber. And he pulls in all these places and it's like, it started off because of COVID. Like I couldn't go certain places. We could only have one person in the room. So like, here you go. And he's like, yeah, I got a fleet of four of them now. And I also have my space. So that's eight chairs there, six of my space. I make 20% more because of how much less I pay. And I'm running 27 days a week. And I'm like, where would that, like, would you have ever thought of that? He was like, no, like never. Yeah, that's amazing innovation. I love that. I love hearing stories. We're going to see a ton of it. I think you guys are going to see a ton of like repurposed space uses, places that you were trying to get rid of for years and couldn't. And people are like, oh my God, what a gem. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I love, again, I love hearing stories like that. We've seen that in the food industry where restaurants and different groups, they couldn't necessarily, yeah. their, their restaurants closed. And then you also get to the, you know, the frozen seafood market for fresh and more sustainable options. And all sorts of really cool farmer baskets and neat things that you've seen. I, I love that sort of innovation. Shout out to Farmer's Fridge for that, by the way. Farmer's Fridge's pivot and go and roll with COVID yep. will go down in infamy. Yeah, amazing. That's a great story. I do want to just touch on Scott, while, while we, if we can, in, in going a little bit deeper as it relates to the market for a second. Yeah, that, please that do. Second. I, I just, I, I think that, if here I am, if I'm, if I'm an entrepreneur or I'm just an individual, I want to know like, gee, what is going on? So it sounds like people are starting to come back to the market and they are, right? So people are coming back. I would say that the majority of the fast growth companies we represent are coming back after Labor Day. So if I had to tell you, put a marker out there after Labor Day, but we're planning for that today. 
So that yeah. sort of planning, it just takes time to sort of negotiate, find, maybe modify or build. So after Labor, Labor Day or even first quarter of 22 is when we're starting to plan for the majority of fast growth companies in Chicago. Um, and there's never been a better time ever. There is more sublease space inventory and landlords on a direct basis are doing things for our clients and for us that they've never done before. So I just wanted to say that because it's, it's, it's amazing. No, I appreciate that. That was a question I was going to have for you. And I was actually going to say, uh, to, to kick it off based on Tony's comment, uh, right now is the time if you want the landlords to still st- still say yes, yes, yes to everything. The closer we get to Labor Day, the closer we get to Q- Q1 of 22, those yeses are going to become, meh, I got better offers. Yeah. Yeah. It's a first movers market. The other thing I'll say though, is the supply is still going up. Salesforce yeah. is still being built. BMO tower is still being built. So we're going to have a lot more square feet that we're going to have to try and fill up. So landlords are still going to be really aggressive. I would say for the next, you know, two, three, four, five, six quarters. The real estate stuff in general, like I'm switching over to the personal side of you guys' lives and figure out how things have been going the last year here. uh, The housing market, it is so blowing up here that we bought this house at 625 in, um, in August it got appraised at 680. We already did a refi. We bought the house in August and we've already done a refi. It's crazy. It is crazy. I actually just sold a house um, up in the North shore and we never actually, it never actually hit the market. Yep. We Same had, here. We bought it before they actually listed it. And that's how the majority of houses in the, in the, in the suburbs are going. And I think that that, I talked to my residential broker and that she's like, it's still on fire. It is crazy. And money is just so it's cheap nuts. right now. Money is just too cheap. It's it's nuts. So I want to I want to share with people the personal side of you guys because I've got to know you guys over the years, and I I think that if we've learned anything with COVID, it's that we're doing business with people. Like you can click and buy SaaS and auto bots. My LinkedIn bot kicks ass. I love it. Sorry for everyone who got spammed. Um, but it, oh, everybody did. Everybody did. Um, hey, we're pushing M1 hard. This show is sponsored by M1. I'm a huge shout user out, and believer. Shout out Brian Barnes. Shout out Caleb. We love those guys. Yeah. Shout out to the whole team. Um, but, but at the end of the day, it's people. We're doing stuff. So I want to set the table right. We got T-Cogs on Instagram. It's Six Packs and Sunshine. And we've got uh, Brad Surratt on the other hand, who's Six Packs, but it's different Six Packs. And he's traveling all over doing fishing. And he's in Alaska and he's doing all this stuff. What have you guys been doing for 2020 other than, than trying to keep, keep, the, you know, keep the lid on for CBRE to grow personally, to take some time to kind of recollect like who we want to be as we come back to the world. Cause I think that's one thing founders, particularly founders, but also employees who, as, as I think Tony said at the top of the show, we're trying really hard not to lose our job. And in a time where some of us had the fortune and the ability to take a little time out, pause and spend some time with our family or go out and see the world that we haven't seen in a while uh, without traffic and congestion. I feel like I grew a lot. Uh, I'm about to grow more on August, uh, April 6th. We have a, another daughter coming. So I'm, I'm busy, man. It's busy COVID. Um, but I want to know about you guys. What, what have you guys been doing during this last year to kind of grow? And, and what have you seen? What's life like? I'll jump in. Um, so yeah, Scott, I've been doing it. I was traveling a ton. Um, so look, I have my kids half the time. My ex-wife has them half the time. I have four kiddos. So when I didn't have my kids, I was traveling and I was also cycling and cooking and all that good stuff. And I learned some new hobbies. I didn't know how much I liked cycling. I yep. didn't know anything about smoking ribs or brisket, but I got pretty good at it. I failed probably 17 times before I ever made a good brisket. It's hard. Um, but I think that, you know, being mindful and just when I'm spending time, whether it's with, you know, being a dad, 
how awesome that was. That was really a really special thing for me. And then also personally, I have a daughter with special needs. And so I had, you know, I got to use my newfound love for cycling as a way to raise awareness for cerebral palsy, raise some money for that. And that's really been very something that going into 2021, I'm already arranging two different rides, one in Colorado and one of the group guys here to do the same. And that's going to be everything. It really, you know, it's kind of, it's cathartic. It's also very meaningful personally to me, but I think all of those things, like you said, it's just all this goodness, like when you're with, you know, whether it's friends, family, or other, being very intentional and mindful of the time you have together, and then being able to kind of bring some goodness out of it. So that's, that's kind of what I've been doing. Yeah. And then for me, kind of similar, you know, pre-COVID after work, I would collapse on the couch. And, you know, during COVID, I couldn't get away from my apartment faster. And actually, one of the things that we took out of it is my girlfriend and I would go on long walks and we just catch up on life and we catch up on the world and talk about our fears and things like that. And it was amazing for us. Um, I was also somebody who got a puppy in COVID. So I got a little pooch named Noli, Golden Retriever, Australian Shepherd. She's the love of my life. Uh, absolute beautiful dog. Um, took up other hobbies. You know, we raised money for charity during COVID for hospitals and got food for nurses. And I was a DJ and we did a live stream DJ set on Instagram and kind of twisted. Those of you that don't know this, Tony's a sick DJ. <laughs> Are you really? I threw it down name? pretty good. Who was your DJ name? Tony Giovanni, my little Italian middle name. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was going to ask, I was going to ask how often were you hanging out a towel, but I'll leave that one aside. <laughs> That's a conversation for later. <laughs> but the other thing, candidly, just, you know, bringing personal back into business. Pre-COVID again, I had two Twitters and I would have a personal Twitter and I'd have a professional Twitter. And then I started getting more clients and more prospects starting to follow me on Instagram. And instead of being so close and conservative with it, I decided to just let people know who I am. And I showed everything. If we go on tours, I'm showing people the buildings. If I am out in the countryside in Utah, I'm showing them all of that. I want them to know exactly who I am all the time. I think it's powerful. I, I think that's one of the things that will take away. Obviously, Brad, you and I, in this case, you have a dog, Tony. I'm not discounting that. Uh, but, but I think one thing that we both took away from this is a year with kids that probably never will happen again and never, never was going to happen before this. Um, my appreciation for why I do this has gone up tenfold, like the ability to be like, okay, so my family actually does kind of depend on me, like, even though they don't say it ever, <laughs> but, but they do, you know? And so I, I think the more we share our personal lives, the better it is. And I think you guys in particular, because you are, um, I think you guys live pretty fascinating lives. Like, you know, people might not think a broker is like, oh, that's fun. It is fun. You meet a lot of cool people, but I think it's, it's more fun to see you guys actually out and about and, and living your life. I definitely saw the cycling stuff, Brad and, and Tony, I, I like everything you post. So we're good. Yeah, I think Tony is pretty, pretty fun to watch, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I appreciate, I appreciate you, Scott. You said like being a dad first and like why you do what you do. Like you can just see like your, your like the passion you are for being a dad and like all that sort of stuff comes through. So it's, it's pretty cool to watch as well. Oh, dude, before, before WGN, before WGN, uh, or, or sorry, during COVID, before I came back to here, uh, to the house, I actually did two shows with my daughter at the time I was like six months old in my hand during the entire live show. Like, yeah. I'll never forget that. Uh, Tony, Tony, you were saying something. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I, Scott, I sent you a text at the end of the year. You know how Spotify does your year in review? Yeah. Uh, a dream of mine to be on Technori. You got, you were my number one podcast in 2020, uh, right? And right underneath you was, uh, pardon my take. 
and then how I built this. So kudos to you, man. I know that you're uh, a, a big advocate for Chicago and the tech community and happy to be here, man. It's awesome. I, I appreciate it. it. Took too long to get you guys on here. Um, this should be more of a regular thing. Cause I think, I, I think this is going to be real estate's always an evolving index that I think speaks to the business and economy and the, and what's going on in any ecosystem. But the next two years, I think real estate, like on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly is, is going to tell the story better and faster than really anything, more than funding dollars, more than, more than anything. Yeah, I agree. Well, buckle up. It's, uh, it's going to be an interesting ride. Awesome. Where do people go to uh, get a hold of you guys? We know it's at TCOGS on Instagram. I know that. Well, email is always the best way, brad.surat at cbre.com. Um, and then obviously at bsurat on Instagram, LinkedIn, we have all that stuff. We all, we, we definitely know where to find TCOGS. Yeah, everybody knows too. It's not hard to find me. Go to Gibson Italia, go to Havana. Oh, here we go. Wherever you guys want to go, I'll be there. You have the Instagram handle, LinkedIn page, 630-484-0182. There's the phone number. <laughs> I love it. I, I hope your phone number fucking blows up. <laughs> I love it. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. If you're interested in self-directed investing from startups to crypto and public markets, my Substack is a great way to learn how professional investors screen, review, and pull the trigger on deals. Join the largest community of micro-investors and startup founders on Substack by going to katoon.com.